Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. I hope you had a great week. As always, Let's Talk Micro is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, whatever you listen to your podcast, you can find Let's Talk Micro. I am also on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, and on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1. So go ahead and follow, like. I always like to post pictures of organisms and give updates as to when the next episode is coming out. If you want to leave any feedback, any topic suggestions, they are always appreciated and welcome. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go ahead and do so. It was an interview with Dr. Andrea Prinzi. You know, she's very active in the microbiology field with a lot of publications. And she came in to discuss an article about breakpoints and how, you know, about them being up to date, the significance of breakpoints being updated. And if you actually need the update, what steps do you take? So this is all on the article. And we talk about this on the interview. You know, it can seem sometimes an overwhelming task, especially nowadays, you know, where we're dealing with being short staffed all the problems that have come with the pandemic. In this article, you know, it has a lot of information, some great information about the steps you need to take to find out, A, if your breakpoints are current, and B, what to do if they're not. Great episode. This is episode 45. And on today's episode, we are talking lab. You know, I am a medical laboratory scientist, like I say, I do love microbiology, and I also want to highlight things that are being done about medical laboratory sciences, any positive feedback, any initiatives that are taking to bring more awareness to make this profession better. I want to highlight that. So on today's episode, there's, there's an interview with Dr. Lacey Moss. She teaches at the Medical Laboratory Sciences Program at the University of Utah. And in the interview, she talks about the summer immersion program that the, that the university launched, about how, you know, it's going to show high school students, show them about the medical laboratory sciences. So they go through the different areas of the lab, they get to work with some samples and learn more about this field. So this is a great initiative by the University of Utah, you know, by their MLS program. This is amazing. They're actually very active in the community, as you're going to find out, you know, reaching out to high schools, because this is one of the issues about this profession. There seems to be unawareness about it. People find out by accident. You typically, when you're in high school, you don't think about this profession. You don't think about the laboratory medicine at all. I mean, as far as you know that you get blood drawn um, and that's about it but we don't really think about what goes behind the scenes. So we talk about all this in the interview and something very important that I do mention is that if there is a lack of awareness and then we're trying to bring awareness at the same time, we need to be prepared to have more resources so we can take in more students. You know, typically a program might have less than 30 students. So they are working on that at the University of Utah. They're trying to double the class size. They're reaching out there, uh, the community. So they are, you know, working on this. 
And this is a great initiative, this summer immersion program, where you know high school students can start thinking about the lab and consider it as a career. So let's go ahead and listen to the interview. So on today's episode, we are work, uh, we are talking lab. I have a very special guest with me. Uh, she teaches at the University of Utah at the Medical Laboratory Sciences Program. So with me today, I have Dr. Lacey Moss. Dr. Moss, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so let's go ahead and start with an introduction. Okay, great. So I'm Lacey Moss. I teach at the University of Utah. This is my second year at the University of Utah. Prior to that, I was at the University of Buffalo in New York. And at both institutions, I have taught clinical chemistry and kind of dabbled in some other areas as needed, like blood bank and immunology. And now I teach the basic techniques class, as well as helping with body fluids and urinalysis. And it has been a really fun experience for me to interact with students every day. Yes, I teaching is definitely very rewarding. And of course, yeah, I, I do love it as well. Um, yeah, clinical chemistry. I mean, I like I mentioned before to the audience, I mean, I have worked in all the areas in the lab. Most of my time has been in micro. I think with me, I and mean, I think most of the techs that have worked in clinical chemistry and, you know, you might see, see the memes out there and everything. It's always the fact that you hope that your instrument works and those days when your QC doesn't pass and you're troubleshooting calibration. So it makes it for a little bit of a challenging day. Yeah. I tell my students the instrument can hold about 200 tests and you have multiple levels of QC for each test. And there's a 5% chance that one of just on each day that one of them will fail. So that if all of them pass on one day, it is a literal miracle. And I think that's when they've been to appreciate West guard rules and why a 1-2-S is only a warning, because we do not have the time to troubleshoot every time it's just 2-S out. Yes, definitely. I mean, and of course, you know, a very important part of the, of the clinical lab, you know, so many tests, you know, so like, like enzymes, you know, your glucose, your cholesterol. So it's a very integral part of what physicians, you know, need to, in order to properly diagnose a patient and for our health as well. Um, so let's go ahead and start. Uh, let's talk about your MLS program. You know, there are several ways out there that you can become an MLS. You know, you have like the three plus one, two plus two. So what kind of program is the MLS program at the University of Utah? So the University of Utah has several different paths in order to get an MLS. So our main pathway is the two plus two program where the students do their two years of general education requirements. And then they apply to our program and do the last two years in our program as a cohort where we control their schedules and um, they spend the last um, the last year of that program is dedicated to their clinical rotation. They don't spend the entire year. We kind of have them uh, offset. They do about 16 weeks of rotations, but they kind of stagger when they start and stop. So some people might get done in December and some people might get done in May, just depending on when they're scheduled to start their rotations. And that works really well for us because we do have students, um, our population here in Utah, we do have a lot of students who do have to work part-time or full-time um, because of their life situation. So having that staggered start and stop does allow them to work in the break period so they can you know, fund their education. So about 75% of our students are the two plus two route. And then we also have a post-baccalaureate program 
for students that have a previous bachelor's of science in um, a science field like chemistry, biology, or physics. And they can just apply directly to the program and do those two years of training with us. And then they can either do it as a degree seeking student or just get a certificate. It just depends on how they want to do it. And we also have technologist programs for people who just want to get like a micro or a blood bank or a chemistry or hematology. We usually have about a handful of students each year that are doing that route. And we have a special curriculum for them. And their rotations are hosted by their um, hospital. They have to have, they have to figure out their own rotations. And when they apply, they say, this is the employer who's sponsoring my rotations. So it's been, it's a lot of different ways. And we have a, um, students from all walks of life. Some are coming back for a second career. Some have been stay-at-home moms for several years or stay-at-home parents and they're not coming back for secondary education now that their children are not so needy. So it's a nice diversity in life of our students. And so you said with the with the rotation, so they start like in the fall and someone some can end in December, but depending on the way that it is, they can go past that. Yeah, so they all do it as like one big chunk. So, but some people start in like June and then they end by the sometime in like November, December. And then some people start in January and they don't finish until May. It just depends. They kind of just because we have so many students and only so many rotation spots by rotating them in that way, we're able to accommodate more students in rotations than if we had them all do it in one block all at the same time. So it allows us to get more students into rotations so we can have a bigger program. Um, yes. And, you know, you mentioned, yeah, definitely in, in, in the MLS program, um, when I went through, yeah, you definitely have different types of students. Like you said, you know, some are coming back. And that's one of the, the challenges that I mentioned before that, you know, there's some like an unawareness about this program. And a lot of times, you know, students have already graduated or they're on their way. And then they either find out that, you know, they're major, maybe they need more studies or, and then they talk to someone and then they found out they're just program. So you have anything from your typical, you know, 19, 20 year old student to, you know, some returning past their twenties, like it was, you know, me. And, uh, and then, like you said, some that starting a second career, like moms, you know, that maybe their, you know, their kids are grown now. So they'll go back to school. So definitely a lot of a, a varied population and and yes with the jobs as well i mean you you have some that yeah they have families and they need to work to support their homes and yeah it's definitely or some students they do get the jobs like a, as lab assistants so they can make a little bit of money and maybe start getting themselves known at the hospital and setting themselves up for a job once they're done yeah our students are lucky in the fact that um, utah is in a state that requires licensure um, in order to work as an MLS. So ARUP, which is one of our main laboratory employers here in the state, which is a very major reference lab, it's actually hosted on the University of Utah campus. Um, they will hire a lot of students with a biology degree, and then they'll actually pay for the education of those students to go through our program. So while they're, the students will work for ARUP and attend our program, and then they pretty much have a job, you know, once they leave with ARUP. And ARUP is a huge fan of our um, students and usually tries to snatch all of them up. And then the other hospitals in the area are like, but we need graduates too. So that's one reason why we're, um, we're currently trying to expand our program. Right now we have about 40 students in like the junior class and 40 students in the senior class. And our goal is in the next 
year to two years is to have 75 students in each um, class. Um, that will be fun. <laughs> we'll be uh, doubling our faculty, having multiple lab sections. Um, rotations will be um, accommodated. Um, that is one nice thing about having ARUP on campus is they have given us the assurance that we will have rotation spots for all of our students. So we're very lucky to have that support in our program. I know that's not normal to a lot of programs because I've worked in other, I've worked in another program and as a clinical education coordinator and seen firsthand the, the joy of scheduling clinical rotations and having that logistical nightmare, making sure you get blood bank rotations and micro rotations, especially since micro labs are condensing. So we're very fortunate at um, the University of Utah program to have a reference lab right there that's willing to supply rotations for us. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, up to 75 students, that's, yeah, I mean, that'll be definitely great. I mean, and like you mentioned, in order to accommodate that, because typically most programs, you know, they have enough faculty and and you know the facilities set up to just host one group, and even past thirty something, you know, it's that's a full class there. I mean, I I taught at one time thirty one, and you know that's you're busy. You definitely might need some help, you know, to look have someone help you with looking at the microscopes and to achieve that. You know, seventy five. That's just that's great. Yeah, we have amazing uh, support staff that set up our labs for us and are helping in the lab um, with the main instructor to make sure that students get more one-on-one -on -one attention. So it's not like one, one teacher for 40 students. We have extra bodies in there that are um, trained MLSs that can step in and help the students in lab. So it'll be an adjustment when we, when we double size. Yes, yeah, because when you're walking and looking, you know, either the microscope or answering questions, you know, your the class time burns really quick. I'm thinking for like your analysis, I might just get those like little roller skate sneakers, so I can like skate between students faster to look in microscopes and confirm that is indeed a fiber and not a cast. Oh yeah. Okay. And before I move to the next the next question, yes, also one one great thing about this profession is the you know the the jobs that you can find it's just you know you pretty much always have a job and you know there's high demand and when you graduate you know it's pretty you know it's almost a sure thing that you're going to find a job somewhere okay so uh let's talk about the summer immersion program so um what is the purpose of it and has something similar been done before at the university of utah this is our first year doing it um we heard about a program that was doing something similar at the clinical laboratory educators conference and we're like oh that sounds cool maybe we should try to do that and we applied for a grant to help fund it and we got the grant and so it's happening and um i was tasked with kind of chairing that committee involved in planning it and we're going to be hosting the original plan was to host 20 students for the first year um, but we've gotten such a huge response in applications that we've decided because we do have the lab space um, to accommodate 40 students. Um, and our program is pretty much free for the students, which I think is a very unique opportunity since most like STEM camps do, you know, charge a significant fee, which makes it kind of cost prohibitive for people, for some families. So we're just charging like a $25 registration fee and everything else will be covered by the grant um, as well as by our program. Cause we, um, this is gonna be a week long program um, starting with like safety training so they can move into the lab. And then 
we're going to orient them to like how to use pipettes and micro pipettes and how to use the microscope. And then on the first day and then the subsequent days, we're going to have case studies where each case, there'll be like one case study per day. Um, and that case study will combine two different benches. So like for the first day, we're planning on having a patient with sickle cell disease. So they'll do a sickle cell test. They'll do they'll look at um, some patient smears, some peripheral blood smears to look at, you know, like schistocytes. And then they'll be like, oh no, they'll do a hematocrit. We're like, oh no, the hematocrit's low. So then in the afternoon, they'll switch over to blood bank and they'll do ABO typing and do a cross match to get that patient ready to have a blood transfusion. So that would be like day one. And then day two is going to be like a urinary tract infection where they get to do a urinalysis with some microscopy, the dipsticks. And then um, in the afternoon, they'll do some microbiology cultures. And we're going to set up, you know, like a biochem panel for them to interpret. And it'll be like an E. coli. And they'll see, kind of look at a streak of plate, do a gram stain, look at that. And then on the third day, um, that's the day I'm in charge of, um, or helping with. Um, we're going to have like a Giardia case because Giardia is endemic here in Utah. And we thought that would be interesting so we can include parasitology and show them, you know, the little old man on the microscope, as well as some other um, parasites that we have access to, especially with ARUP. They have an entire library of worms that they've gotten from patient samples that they've, you know, formal and fixed. And you can just go check out a worm. Um, it's really kind of gross to look at. Uh, and so they'll have Giardia and then we'll do like some chemistry to be like, oh, this person has, you know, recurrent diarrhea, they're dehydrated. And we'll do some analyses with chemistry for that, make a standard curve. And then Friday on the last day, we're gonna actually take them on tour of ARUP so they can see what a real clinical laboratory looks like. So I would argue that ARUP is not what a real clinical laboratory looks like. It's kind of a clinical laboratory on steroids, but it is on campus so we can easily walk over there with the students, show them the lab, um, hopefully get them really excited about clinical laboratory medicine and everything that you can do in a clinical lab. And we're hoping that this program kind of acts as like a feeder into our program for local students to get interested in a clinical laboratory science and decide to pursue that as a career or as a stepping stone to other health professions, which is, um, you know, a decent chunk of our students are, you know, can they go on to medical school or PA school? So we're used to that. But um, if that plan doesn't work out for them, you know, they have a degree they can use and then they can stay in the field. So we're really excited about it. So we're trying to capitalize on the exposure that COVID brought to like laboratory medicine and testing and really like putting ourselves out there more and showing, look, we don't just do COVID tests. We do all this other stuff too. So we're pretty excited about it. And now that you mentioned, you know, that, that you're putting it up more out there. So what are you, what are you using? And this is just out of curiosity, because I mean, I, I found out about this, like I saw it on Twitter, you know, like you have a, I know you're on Instagram and, and you're on Twitter. So is that the kind of publicity that you're using like social media? Are you doing something else? Um, so we actually have an amazing social media specialist that's hired by our program who's in charge of all our social media. I know we're very lucky in that. Um, She's on Twitter. She's on Instagram. I think we have a Facebook. I don't even know. She's also like has all the contacts with like the local high schools and the various um, communities. Like we we do a lot of outreach to like um, high school events or like we're um, in May we're doing a Latinx event where um, people of Latino heritage are coming to campus to our campus and we're going to be you know showing like hey look this is you know our program. 
you should join us. Um, so we do a lot of recruitment and we do have someone who's pretty much in charge of recruitment. And we're, she does an amazing job of making sure that we get a lot of um, traction and that we stay present in the social media field. And we do have a um, medical laboratory science club for students at University of Utah for our pre-MLS students so they can stay involved and continue to stay excited about our field and our program. And we have a dedicated advisor that helps them, you know, figure out their prerequisites so they can come into our program on track without having delay. So we do have a lot of ways to recruit students because we want, we want students. Wow. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're like the university is definitely very active out there. Yes, we are so lucky. Our university is so active, so supportive of our program. And I think and part of that is due to ARUP being a major employer in the state and being like right there constantly pushing to make sure that we have what we need so that they get the graduates that they need. So we've been very lucky in that. Indeed. Yes, and definitely, you know, for the audience out there, I mean, there's no need to say, but I will say, you know, the ARUP, all of us that have worked in the lab at some point in time, you know, we're familiar with it. We definitely have searched on that website. We get that phone call saying, you know, uh, what kind of tube do I need? And maybe your LIS, or maybe you you're like has have like a short amount. So you go to that website and you check and it's definitely, you know, you find the information you need there. So most of us are definitely familiar with it. Yeah, they actually have really great um, free education materials available on their websites as well. If you've ever been to the ARUP, they have a education site and they were at the Clinical Laboratory Educators Conference um, last month. And they would love to get feedback from people who are currently teaching in medical laboratory science or practicing in medical laboratory science of like, what do you want on the education page? Because right now we're kind of spoiled and they ask us what we want because you know we're right there and they know us. And I'm like, I would like a video on mass spectrometry and what happens in the mass spec and the workflow. And they're like, we can do that. So they filmed a mass spec workflow and did animations of what happens in the quadrupoles for us. And they're like, okay, here's this video for you. And I'm like, thanks. So they would love to get that information from other educators about what kind of educational content do you want them to do? Because they have an education department just waiting for things to do. Yes, I mean, we're we definitely here in Florida, uh, we're also a state that it's licensed and every two years we have to renew it and do some continuing education courses. So we definitely those free courses that you talk about, you definitely see a lot of texts, especially you know, like once the year it's there and you see a lot of them using it in order to complete some of those CEUs. Okay, uh, so as I was reading the article, I saw that, you know, the program is for like, you know, students from like 14 to 17, is it only for high school students or can college students participate as well? So it's only for high school students. Um, and that is because we do have a survey of MLS course um, that the university offers to either matriculated or non-matriculated students. Um, so for college age students, we encourage them to take our survey of MLS course. It is more in depth. It lasts 16 weeks. They get a much um, deeper dive into medical laboratory science than they could with a five-day um, summer program. So this is focused towards high school students. Um, since we've had an overwhelming response, we're trying to figure out how to decide who can come. So that's been um, a fun question that the committees have to come up with of how do we select which students 
uh, because we do have a limited number of spots, even though we've decided to double the size. Um, so that's been interesting. But we have, because we do have that survey of MLS student course, we are not taking college students. And um, even high school students can take that summer, uh, that survey of MLS course. So the ones that are not getting accepted um, this year, we're encouraging them to reapply for the summer program, but we're also saying, hey, you can also take this thing at University of Utah too, it meets once a week. As because a, a, a lot of our local high schools do have opportunities for like joint enrollment um, time for the high school students to go take college courses. And that one, that's the, the MDLB 101 Survey of Medical Laboratory Sciences. Yes. So it, depending on whether you're taking it as a matriculated or a non-matriculated student, it's course number changes, but it's either 101 or 1010. Okay. So it's the same class. But this one is a college university college class. Yeah. So this this one is a college course. So for this one, you definitely, you know, it's not free like the summer immersion program. So for that one, you will have to pay. Yeah, that is one disadvantage, but we just don't have the capacity to take college students. And also then we'd run into the whole just logistics of having adults in the same classroom as minors. And just we had to do there's a lot of paperwork involved in hosting minors on campus, which I've learned now. And trying to figure out all that paperwork and what we can and can't do with the minors and where they can and can't go and what this adult to student ratio is and everyone has to be background checked. So who's mess who's like all adults have to be background checked. It just seems better not to open up that can of worms by having adult students with the minor students. Yes, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um And you, you mentioned that this, this, so the state of Utah is a licensed state. How often do you have to renew it? Is it like us two years or? The state of Utah is not. Oh, no, licensed. it's not. Okay. Uh, we, yeah, we're not licensed, which is why ARUP is able to hire people without an MLS and then help fund their education to get an MLS because then that opens up um, more testing that those students can, those employees can do once they're actually certified as an MLS. Because when they're not certified as an MLS, they kind of limit what kind of testing they can do. But once they're fully certified, it's like, go do the math spec. Do all this other fun stuff that we have. Validate stuff for us. And do, do, you, do the students take the ASCP? Yes. Yeah, they take, um, we encourage our students to take the ASCP. And we have about, a, I think it's over a 90% um, pass rate in the first year for our program, which is above the national average. So our students do pretty well. Okay, nice. All right. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about this program or anything else? So we had a lot of interest in our program and we're very excited about that. Um, right now we're currently accepting um, applications, but we're keeping it, I think, to Utah students right now. We do have, um, we do our, so I did mention that our program is free except for like a $25 registration fee. And honestly, we're using that registration fee to buy them t-shirts. Um, But we are, in addition to our uh, basically being a free program, we are also offering stipends because we didn't want the cost of travel to and from the program or having to pay for hotel costs to be a reason why students didn't come. So we do have access to stipends for about 15 students to help offset the cost of travel. So those are for being held for minority students, um, people with financial hardships people who are from rural communities because uh, the bulk of Utah is basically Salt Lake City, like, or the Valley. And then everything else is kind of very rural. So we didn't want the people that are in the rural parts of Utah not to be able to come because of 
the cost of gas or having to have a hotel. So we're helping reimburse those costs for students. And we're really hoping that will be a great feeder to help the rural communities get MLS people back into their communities by being like, hey, learn about MLS, join our program. And then when you graduate, go back to your hometown and work in a hospital down there. And that will help um, help with the lack of MLSs in rural communities. So we're really hoping that this is a good way to recruit students to the MLS um, career all over the state. Wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, like I said, you know, I think this is an, an amazing initiative. And I mean, not only do provide more awareness, I mean, you're already being very active out there. Because, um, you know, we don't we don't think about this stuff, especially, you know, we're in high school or we're in college. I mean, at some point in time, you know, we all get our blood drawn, you know, we have some tests, but we really don't think about what's going on behind the scenes. It's just something that we get through our lives. Most people think about medicine and they think about nursing, med school, and that's about the extent of it. So, and so we need to give more awareness, but at the same time, like your university is doing it, if we're going to bring more awareness we're gonna get more applications so we also need the facilities to make sure that we can accommodate because i mean if, they, if we have a hundred or 100 plus applicants and then only 30 spots then then you have all the students out there that cannot participate and get this education so i think this is great what you're doing so you know great work and um, definitely thank you for taking the opportunity to be here on, on let's talk micro All right. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed my experience. I enjoy talking about our summer immersion program and the program that we have at University of Utah. And we hope that it will be a success. Fingers crossed. This is our first year doing it. All right. Well, definitely. Good. Uh, good luck with it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to this interview. As always, I enjoy sharing it with you. Shout out to the University of Utah MLS program for taking this initiative to bring more awareness about our profession. Like they say out there, they are talking the talk and walking the walk. So they are doing what they need to do. And that is so great and refreshing. Thank you so much for listening. As always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. So stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.